Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all here as we come together as God's people, as his children, and as we continue in this series on the fruit of the Spirit, learning about how God's Spirit can work in us and through us to create us and make us into the people he has called us to be. Please stand and join us as we begin by singing our praises to him.
That's why we gather here every Sunday, because Christ is risen. 
And it's what a great joy to know we come together to celebrate the risen Christ. And we're glad that you are here and a part of this gathering of God's people in this place. I want to give you a chance to say hello, greet one another, share a word of peace and grace with each other as uh, we have gathered here in worship today. couple things I want to mention in the bulletin. Um, tonight, we have, there's an ordination service in the chapel at the college. And uh, Mike Jordan, uh, dean of the chapel, will, have his, will celebrate the transfer of his credentials into the Westland Church as well as the ordination of some other people. That will take place at 6.30. That means that Koinonia will be at 5 o'clock tonight. So just note that Koinonia will be tonight, 5 o'clock in Wesley Chapel. And just want to make you aware of that. This Wednesday evening, our uh, children's ministries begin. Uh, if you have children that you want to be a part of that, you didn't get them registered this last week, just bring them, come a little bit early maybe, get them connected, and love to have them be a part of that. And I want to say thank you ahead of time for those of you who are working in the children's ministries on Wednesday night or Sunday mornings or some other time. And with our youth, we really appreciate your, your assistance. The children are putting together a musical called The Music Machine. And they will be rehearsing on Saturdays. It says 9 in the bulletin. It will actually be at 11, so just note that. We started last week the series through the fruit of the Spirit, and we're continuing that. We're trying to think of ways to connect the, the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians with literal fruit, things that will help us remember. And so we have, we have connected a literal fruit that we eat with the fruit of the Spirit. And today, we're talking about love, and so we thought strawberries would be appropriate for that. Uh, You know, you often see strawberries, valentines, and those kinds of things. So, the purpose of that is, hopefully, when you are out and you eat a strawberry, you will think about love. And we're going to be doing some other things, connecting some other things as well later in the service. But I do want to mention one other thing we're doing. At the end of this series, we'd like to put together a, a recipe booklet with the various fruit that we're highlighting. And again, just as one other way of saying this might remind us about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So if you have a recipe or two you'd like to contribute to that, there's a sign-up sheet on the back. You don't have to have the recipe with you. Uh, I don't think most of us carry those around. I would never carry those around, but that's a whole other thing. But, um, but, but uh, if you, you, know, you know your name, and even if you just kind of describe it or the name of it, and then we'll get in touch with you about um, getting the details of that later. There are also a lot of things for us to pray about this morning. You may have heard about the uh, terrorist attack in Nairobi at the mall. Um, dozens of people have died. There are hundreds that are still being held hostage. It is a very volatile situation. I've seen some emails from people at Rift Valley Academy uh, near there and uh, There's just a lot of concern, a lot of grief, pain, and we're praying for God's grace and intervention in this very difficult situation. We want to give thanks to God this morning for being with us in worship, for all the ways in which he blesses our lives. And one of the ways in which we express our gratitude is giving back to him. 
um, our resources and the ushers are going to come and assist us in doing that at this time. We have the joy and the privilege of praying together. And as we offer our prayers to God, if you would like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me.
Father, we thank you for your love to us. Immeasurable, unending, eternal, and certainly undeserved. We come today asking for your grace in our lives. We pray that you would heal the sick. We pray that you would comfort those who are overcome with the pain of loss. We pray that you will make our homes what you and and what we want them to be. We pray that you would lead us in paths of righteousness, that we would seek first your kingdom and find in you wholeness and hope. Father, we pray that you would give us hearts of compassion. Compassion for people who are like us and who love us and for people who have hurt us and for people we've hurt. Give us hearts of love for people who suffer around the world and we think particularly today of the people in Nairobi. It's difficult to imagine the level of evil that would target a children's event and people just going about their lives. Lord, we know that you are greater. We pray for comfort to all who are grieving. We pray for your healing upon all who have been injured. We pray for an end to the standoff, a peaceful end. We pray for the government leaders that they would know the right things to do to protect those who are still in danger. Somehow, Lord, work miraculously as only you can do. Father, we pray you'd help us as individuals and as a church to be more interested in the struggles of others than, quite frankly, we typically are. Toward this whole world, the world right around us and the world far from us. Give us the mind and the heart and the spirit of Christ. And we pray that you would fill this place as we worship you with newness of life through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, and the one in whose name we pray. Amen. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. And please stand with me as I read from the Gospel. Again, it's Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 
through 36. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not state, take, stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord.
for what it means to love. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, normally when you come to church, you know, we're you're seeing signs, turn off your cell phone, all those kinds of things. Today, we're going to use your cell phone. So take it out and open up your texting program. And I'm assuming that the great majority of you here text. I forgot to mention at first service. I probably should have, but, you know, I did the disclaimer, texting rates apply, you know, that whole thing, if you have, however you pay for those. We're going to ask you to, going to, ask you to text something in a minute. So you want to pull that out, get your phone ready, and then just hold it for a second. All right, I want to tell you a story. Guy had a dream. This is, this is exactly the guy. A guy did have this dream. This is made up. He had a dream that a prosecutor was... Accusing, laying out all of the sins of his life. Everything he had ever done. Every sin he had planned to commit and every sin he hadn't planned to commit. Every sin he knew about, every sin he didn't know about. Every sin of his life was laid out. One after another after another. And this went on for hours and hours and hours. And he felt so humiliated standing there listening to all of these sins that he had committed. He could feel the soles of his feet start to get warm. After this hours of accusation, some angels appeared to present his defense. And all they said in his defense was, but he loved. Over and over again, they said, but he loved. And it became sort of this chant, this chorus But he loved, but he loved, but he loved. Over and over again, all through the night and on into the beginning of dawn until eventually the angels won and he was safe. Now here's my question for you. What do you think about that story? How does that make you feel? And I want you to text one of three answers. That sounds about right to me. I'm comfortable with that. Two, uh, I'm uncomfortable with what that story suggests. And three, well, it depends. All right? You got about two minutes. Send it to uh, 22333 and then type in the code for the answer you want. It's like one of those sausage races at the baseball game, isn't it?
We done? A little more? That's it? Okay. When the timer runs out, it's done. All right, so we have 40 people who picked number one, said I'm comfortable with this, and about a little less than 60 people who said, in one way or another, I'm not quite sure that's right. That's a bit about what I would expect, though I have to say, I'm a little bit surprised that as many people put the first answer as they did. Uh, as I think about the, this question and this story, there are, there are two things that come to my mind. One is that it might make us a little uncomfortable because we're not quite sure if but he loved is enough. Is that really enough to get us by? And on the other hand, the people who choose number one are saying, yeah, I think it is. But of course, that means that now we have to consider what exactly do we mean by love? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So I want to think about for a little bit this morning. If if it is indeed enough, what does that love look like that makes it enough? Because I think, I think it is enough. As long as we understand what we're talking about when we talk about love. Now, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that comes out of a person's life who is filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't think anyone, any scholar would say, this is an exhaustive list. This is all there is to the fruit of the Spirit. If you, there's, nothing, there's no other fruit that could possibly come out of a person's life who is walking in the Spirit. It is not exhaustive. But I will tell you this. Any list, any, any discussion of the fruit of the Spirit that doesn't include love is not the fruit of the Spirit. It starts with love. It always starts with love. Some people believe that this is not a list of nine equal fruits, nine equal characteristics, but instead that it's love and the other eight characteristics are just descriptive of what it means to love. And I think there might be something to that. Because when we boil down the scriptures, when we see the image of God that's given to us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we discover that the character and the nature of God is more often than not described as love. That's who he is. He says, I am love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the writer says, whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. And you can talk all you want to about having the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you don't love, it's a lie. Jesus says to his disciples in John's gospel, those last hours before he dies, he says, this is how other people are going to know you are my disciples? Because you believe all the right things? No. Because you follow all the right rituals? No. Those things are not unimportant. But he's very clear. They will know you're my disciples if you love each other as I have loved you. 
It's about love. It is the nature. It's the characteristic of God. It's who God is. And what we find as we think about God throughout the pages of the scripture and how God reveals himself, what we keep seeing over and over again is this mindset of God that love is is always other-directed. It is never God saying, I'm going to get what I want. It is how can I express love to other people? How can I care for other people? How can I invest myself in other people? What can I do for other people? It is always about being other directed. And if that is God's love, and we say the fruit of the spirit that comes out of our lives of walking with God and being a part of God's kingdom and having the spirit in us, then surely that's what our love should look like too. It's the most natural thing in the world. I'm convinced that you, love is only love if it is, if what we see out of it is self-giving sacrifice. Other directedness. It has to be, has to be a sense of self-giving. And we often don't, we don't always think of love like that. We tend to think of love, oh, you know, I love this. Or I love that. Or I love this person. And, and that's not wrong. We use the word that way. But typically we mean it makes me feel good. It does something to me. I begin to tingle a little bit. I, I, you know, I, I, have, I have good feelings about this. And the scriptures keep calling us to say, but the love of Christ is deeper than that. And the love of God, the love of Christ is about self-giving sacrifice, the cross. And you and I are continually challenged about self-giving sacrifice. And it's hard. But as hard as it is just to think in general terms of self-giving sacrifice, Jesus takes it a step further. He, He turns the screws even more, ups the ante a little bit, and he says, it's not just about self-giving sacrifice to anyone. It's about self-giving sacrifice to the most difficult people in your life. Luke's gospel, we read a few moments ago, Jesus says, you know, it's wonderful that you love people who love you, but quite frankly, pagans do that. It's wonderful that you lend stuff to people who you know are going to give it back to you, but... Everybody does that. You know, we, we talked last week about how the fruit of the Spirit, is, it's not anything that is, that is overtly Christian. I mean, the, the whole world says love's a good thing, patience is a good thing, being gentle is a good thing. I mean, we talk about that as a culture all the time. We don't do it very well, but we talk about it, and we admire it in people. But something about the fruit of the Spirit takes it to a deeper level, and that's what we're doing here. Jesus says it's not just loving, even, self, even self-giving, sacrificial love, but it's doing that for people who are the most difficult people in your life. And now we're talking about something completely different. And man, that's hard. That is so hard. You think about people 
Think about people who have hurt you, who have hurt you deeply. And I'm supposed to love them sacrificially. I'm supposed to give of myself to them. And people who have betrayed you, you trusted them and they turned on you, they betrayed you and you're supposed to love them sacrificially. People who have said, you are my enemy, we're supposed to love them sacrificially? Really? People who have a completely different mindset about the world, about culture, about what's right and wrong from what we have, we're supposed to love them? We're supposed to give of ourselves to them? And some of the hardest stuff in the world we will ever do. But that's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's what comes out of soil that is nurtured by God's Spirit. Because that's the Spirit of Christ. Who goes to the cross, not for people who love Him, but for people who hate Him. Not for His friends, but for His enemies. You know, Paul writes in Romans, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love we're called to live. After I was talking last week about the soil of our lives and, and, and developing that and, and praying about that, I had two people say to me that they've been thinking that they were thinking about that and thought about their sort of Uh, hobby gardeners and they were thinking about what it takes to get a the garden ready and the soil and they thought about you know pulling out rocks and you have to do that and they thought about weeding and that's important as well but they said actually the most necessary thing to create good soil is compost or manure and manure and compost stink And we try to avoid them as much as possible in our lives. You know, if you're out driving around, I don't know if you experience that, when the farmers are spreading manure on the field, wow, you hope the wind's not blowing that your direction, right? That is not the place we want to be. That's not the stuff we want to be around. And yet that's what makes the soil what it's supposed to do to produce the kind of fruit that it needs to produce. And I'm convinced that every one of these characteristics of fruit We need manure in them, and for love, it's self-giving sacrifice for our enemies. That's the hard stuff. That's the smelly stuff. That's the stuff we want to run from and avoid, and that's the very stuff that creates a heart that God desires us to have. Now, we're not very good at doing it, And we struggle and we wrestle and God is patient with us. And I think really all God is looking for from us is a willingness. It's a desire. We may not even know what to do, but we have to want to do it. And then God gives us the ability and the strength to do it. At the same time... Sometimes we wait so long to love because we're not sure what to do. And I'm convinced we learn to love by just loving. You want to know how to love somebody that you don't like? Start loving them. 
How to love somebody who is, who is your sworn enemy? Start loving them. You want to love somebody who has hurt you deeply? Find a way to love them. And in that act of love, whatever that may be, you will find something beautiful beginning to sprout in your heart. And the more you do love, the more you become loving. It is this cycle of goodness that is born in us and raises up out of us as it produces fruit in our lives. When the Good Samaritan comes, when the, when the religious leader comes to Jesus and asks, you know, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan who are, are hated by Jews and they hate Jews. This man, this Jewish man is injured on the road and two Jewish uh, priests walk by on the other side and a Samaritan stops and helps him. Everybody in the audience is appalled at this story. I mean, this is one of those stories. If, we, if I had told you that one and we texted that one this morning, I guarantee you everyone would have said number two in that crowd. If there were 100 responses, there would have been 100 number twos. And if there was a number one, they'd have been searched out. Who's the traitor among us here? And in essence, Jesus says to him, not just your neighbor is anybody who's in need. He's saying to them, don't worry about loving the wrong person. That's not our concern. You ought to, if you're going to be concerned about anything, be concerned about loving the wrong person the right way. that's the spirit of Christ and, and I, I want to say it again it is so hard you know we, we hurt and you know we, we wrestle we, you put yourself out there a few times and, and people reject us the natural inclination is to say I'm not doing that again And yet somehow, in the spirit of Christ, we have to keep loving. Sometimes we talk about loving, love as risk-taking. And there's a certain element where that is true. To love is to risk. It's to put ourselves out there. It's to take a chance that we might get hurt. But actually, I'm not sure that's the best word to use. Because risk implies you might or you might not be hurt. When we think about the kind of love that Jesus calls us to, his kind of love, here's the one thing I know. At some point, we're going to be hurt. At some point, the vulnerability of love is going to hurt us. And it's going to bring pain to us. And quite frankly, it's going to feel like we failed. I've been wrestling with an idea in my head for a number of months about what it means to, to love and to live in this world with people who have hurt us and opposed us. And, and, and God has really been working on my heart. And quite frankly, part of me is standing up here saying to you, I don't want to talk about this because I wrestle with loving people as much if not more than you do. And I think this is why God is working on me and working on my heart and putting this idea in my head. But I, I've just had this thought 
that often when we live our lives in relationships, our, our unspoken goal is to win. Right? I mean, we want to win. Whatever it may be, we want to win. We want to come out on top. We want to come out looking good. And that's a natural inclination. Believe me, I know that inclination. We'd like to think we can win in love. We talk about win-win situations, and that's a, that's a good management leadership principle. And it works in some places, but when you talk about love, I'm not sure it's appropriate. I'm coming to the place where I believe you can either win or you can love. I'm not sure you can do both. Because to love by its very definition is to give up ourselves. It's to lose something in us. It's to sacrifice something in us. And everything in me is wants, to, wants to run away, kicking and screaming, yelling, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to lose. I want to win. And the cross keeps bringing us back to the reality of the Spirit in us and what it means to walk in the Spirit and what it means to produce for the Spirit to produce the fruit in us. And at some point, it is giving up ourselves. And sometimes it's in big things like the Good Samaritan stopping by the road and helping a guy. Often it's just in the mundane stuff of life. Sometimes it's in big events and sometimes it's just in everyday relationships. In our homes, apartment, your dorm, your classroom, where you work. And it's choosing to love rather than choosing to win. It's choosing to give rather than to take. It's choosing to sacrifice rather than to have our have to get our own way. And it's hard and it's a struggle, but it's the call of Christ. And here's what I'm discovering as well. The only way we can do that, the only means to living in this completely countercultural, counter human way, is to continually be reminded that we are loved. We love because we're loved. We are free to live and to love in the Spirit because we are loved. In the spirit. God loves us. I remember reading years ago. A story Craig Barnes. Who was the president of Princeton Seminary. Told of going to class. When he was in seminary. And one of the professors said to them one day. You ought to wake up every morning. And give thanks to God. That you are unnecessary. What? What do you mean I'm unnecessary? He said, I know the creation doesn't need me. God doesn't need me, but I got to be necessary for something. And the professor said, no, you no. Because you can't be necessary and truly loved. 
And I've been pondering that for a long time. And I've come to the conclusion that if, if we are necessary to people, then they only want relationship with us as long as we're necessary. And as soon as our, our, our ability to be necessary runs out, then they don't need us anymore. Whereas love has nothing to do with being necessary. We're just loved. And we begin to grasp that God loves us, not because we can do something for him, not because we give something to him, but simply because he loves us. We are set free to love other people because as we give love away, it just opens up more space to receive the love of God. It's out of that foundation that we produce the fruit of the Spirit. In his book, All His Grace, Brendan Manning tells a story of living for a number of years with some other priests, what they called a band of brothers in a rural city outside of Paris in France. And they, they had this great community that they lived in. They, they worked the land. They sold things to subsist. They helped people. It was said it was one of the greatest experiences of his life. And the leader of this group was a man named Dominic. And they all admired him, they respected him, and, and he led them for a long time until he developed inoperable cancer and moved back to Paris to be near friends and relatives who could take care of him. It didn't surprise any of them to discover that he soon took a job as a night watchman at a factory, and he worked a graveyard shift, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. every night. When he got off work, he would walk to his home, and on the way, he would stop at a park that was near his apartment and this park was, was infamous for all of the people that you might call riffraff. Homeless people, drug addicts, prostitutes, winos, people we might want to avoid. And he would spend hours in that park after having worked all night handing out candy to these people sitting with them, listening to their stories and telling them over and over and over again, you know, God is crazy about you. God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. And when he eventually died, Manning says they just had a a very simple gathering And he said, the only way to describe the people who came to that wake was was a great throng. Just because he loved. And people's lives were changed. Every one of us, I'm convinced has someone in our lives, a group of people in our lives that we find hard to love. And this morning, God wants to help us get started, move forward in loving them and letting the fruit of His Spirit in us begin to blossom that we might love like Christ. In this moment of silence, hear God speaking to you. 
and open your heart to him to change you and to work in you. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you want to set us free to love others. You know that person in our minds right now, that group of people, that, that circumstance that we are finding it difficult to love. Set us free today. To begin to take steps to love. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. I think it's important for us to have opportunities to respond to the promptings of God. So I'm going to, I'm going to suggest three to you this morning. At the end of each row, the inside and the outside, there are some little cards... There should be cards that have little pictures of strawberries on them. They look like this, and it says the word love. We may not have printed enough, and so if not, there are some index cards there. And if you can check in the rows in front of you, pass those down in and out inside your row and make sure everybody gets one of those. And what I'd like for you to do this today, I'd like you to do it today, because if you wait, you'll forget. Write on this card a name, a circumstance, something about what God may have been prompting you about this morning related to love. And put it on your mirror in your bathroom or by your bedside or on your desk or someplace, carry it in your pocket, someplace that you can keep it in front of you. Because I want to ask you again this week, as I did last week, for us each to take five minutes every day to pray about being, about loving the fruit of, of the spirit of love coming out in our lives. And let God speak to us. Let God work in us. Whatever he wants to say to us about loving, to take five minutes a day to pray. And sometimes we're in a moment when we gather that we just feel like if we, if we don't do something now, we're going to miss a moment to, to respond. And so when the service is done, some of the elders and some of the pastoral staff will be downstairs in the prayer room. And if you go down the those steps and then down the other steps. It's right there. And they will be there and there's some people there who will just listen to you as you talk about what God's saying to you and to pray with you. You don't have to stay a long time, but you could if you want. It's up to you. But we just want to be available and we're going to do this throughout the rest of this fall. Be available in the moment so that some things that God may be saying to you can be solidified and sealed as we think about what it means to love and to bear the fruit of the Spirit's love. As we get ready to go this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing together the closing song.
have love, I waste my breath with every song I bring. An empty voice, a hollow noise. If I speak with a silver tongue, convince a crowd, but don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say. So let bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.